Hello and welcome back to The Long Short. I'm Drew Nicholl and I'm delighted to be rejoined in the studio by my co-host Tom Kyo. Tom, it's great to have you back. Thanks Drew. It's great to be back and good to be speaking to you again. And although we haven't shared a studio for a little while now, I know you haven't been neglecting your podcasting duties because you've been working on something a little bit different in the background that I believe you are finally ready to let our listeners know about. Yeah, that's right. For background, we've spent the past two years going around the world seeking out interesting people within the alternative investment industry to speak to our Long Short podcast. And the point that was made to us that we weren't really making the most of the community of leading fund manager members that AIMA counts among its membership. So to rectify that oversight, we've partnered with KPMG to bring you all something a little different in what we are calling the Perspective Series. I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Yes, Perspectives is a dedicated series of conversations with leading CEOs and founders of alternative investment firms from around the world. And over the next few months, we will be bringing listeners along with us to hear from them on a variety of areas, including how they attract and retain top talent in the context of the fierce war for talent out there, as well as how they navigate the increasingly complex operational scaling challenges of running a modern investment funds business and much, much more. And for this dedicated series, I believe, as well as your usual hosts of Tom and myself, we will be joined by KPMG's John Budzina, who has the very grand title of Managing Director and US National Leader for Market Developments for Alternative Investments, who will be helping us along the way to ask those questions that you wish you could ask if you found yourself in a room with any of these industry leaders. The first episode of our new perspective series will go live next week. But before we get there, we wanted to revisit a popular episode with Manir Khan, partner and regional head for the Middle East at Simmons & Simmons, who gave us some fascinating insights into the growth of the alternative investment industry in the region, which is a trend that has only grown in prominence since we first focused on it earlier in the year. Munir, you're very welcome to the Long Short. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, So, Munir, I had the pleasure of staying in the region last week, having been invited to speak at a conference in Dubai where I spent two days and then a further two days in Abu Dhabi meeting with representatives from across the alternative investment industry. And I sensed a real buzz about the place. Um, Some of the world's largest hedge funds have moved to the region and others are exploring options to do so. I also heard about fintech, and technology firms migrating to the region in large numbers. What can you then tell our listeners about these developments? So I think the first thing is that um, because we're at the coalface, often advising a number of these firms, even before they make the decision as to whether to um, set up here in the UAE, um, we have, I suppose, the direct data to to back up the claims. And what I can say is over the last couple of years in particular, Uh, Throughout the pandemic, uh, we've seen a huge number of uh, alternative asset managers setting up here, as well as fintech uh, firms and digital assets firms. So the the trend or what is being talked about is a real uh, phenomenon. And uh, we've been extremely busy advising a number of these firms on their strategy for the Middle East using the UAE and particularly Dubai as a hub. Right, right. So the natural follow-on question here is just sort of very, very simply, what's driving this migration? Because I've been hearing about it, you know, at least all year, if not uh, before now. But it, just, just sort of very simply, are you able to just point to a few key drivers? 
Yeah, I think that there are various uh, pull factors and various push factors involved. So uh, undoubtedly what, what we've seen is the pandemic accelerating uh, these moves. So one of the um, push factors has been you know, increasing difficulties to operate businesses elsewhere for different reasons. One has been the response to the pandemic. Some of those responses have been very strict and restrictive, making it difficult for people, um, including portfolio managers, to live their lives and travel uh, freely in and out of the jurisdiction. Um, and the UAE and Dubai in particular do, has not had that issue. Uh, so initially there was only one lockdown uh, in the UAE at the start of the pandemic in early 2020. Uh, but after that, the leadership here was very clear and, and there were no further lockdowns. Uh, and then the other uh, aspect is undoubtedly around tax and um, the response of various governments to the pandemic um, and how that is having an impact on regulation and tax in particular. And some places are just becoming more difficult and expensive to operate. I think it ties in with the cost of living as well. Um, and so I think Dubai in particular positioned itself very well. Um, it is um, uh, attractive as a location. And what we started to see early in, in, the, in the pandemic was um, managers who are our clients talking about PMs who wanted to be based in Dubai. And so there was a real... Um, period of time where um, PMs wanted to be based in Dubai and were proactively asking. Um, and I think what I would say is um, the UAE authorities, um, the DIFC in particular, recognized that uh, and have essentially rolled out the red carpet. And there, and there are various things we can talk about during this podcast, but one of them has been the golden visa scheme, which has really um, had a huge impact. Uh, and, you know, when when lots of places around the world are actively closing their doors to immigration, I think the situation in the UAE is the absolute opposite, especially for skilled workers and, and skilled finance professionals, including PMs um, for hedge funds, as well as fintechs and anyone involved in the digital asset space. Um, Munir, just to clarify the point on tax, um, clearly very competitive tax or no tax at all, personal income tax, that is, a personal tax. And then yeah. corporation tax, is that being introduced next year? There is no corporation tax. What can you tell our listeners about tax there? The first thing to say, I'm not a, I'm not a tax expert. I focus more on the, the law and regulation, but obviously it's an important factor. Um, the simple uh, explanation is that, yes, the UAE federal government is introducing corporate taxation uh, next year from right. June 2023 onwards. Um, but the applicability of the tax will very much depend on um, various factors uh, in terms of um, what kind of business you're involved in, the turnover, turnover of the business, and whether the income is being generated in the UAE or outside the UAE. Um, the other point to bear in mind is that the financial free zones, the DIFC and the ADGM, um, have agreed uh, tax-free guarantees, uh, maybe that's the, or holidays is the, the language, of 50 years from their establishment. Uh, and what we understand is that this will be respected. And so um, if, 
income is being generated, for example, in the DIFC, um, that should not be subject to the new corporate tax. Uh, and so businesses who are using the DIFC as an international hub with income being generated elsewhere um, may be able to structure their arrangements to be um, extremely tax efficient. And then going to your question about personal income tax, um, there is no personal uh, income tax, so that is zero. And I think that's been a huge driver for um, highly paid uh, individuals such as um, portfolio managers who have been looking at um, where to base themselves and their families. Um, and, you know, this is where then we start to talk about some of the softer factors such as schools, um, education, healthcare, lifestyle. And um, many people will, will know about that already if they've, if they've visited the place. Yeah, so it really feels like there is real strong charm offensive being mounted by their leadership in, in um, relocating and attracting the world's best businesses to the UAE. And you've mentioned um, many of these incentives, um, that being, you see, the lifestyle tax. Um, uh, is there anything else in there you know, that would incentivize a firm or a business to relocate to the region? I think what we've seen is uh, what's been different about this uh, period of time over the last few years is um, a real war for talent. Uh, and in particular with portfolio managers, um, there's, uh, there are issues to do with retaining that talent in certain parts of the world um, where these individuals want to move away from those locations. And there's an issue to do with attracting them. Uh, and so what I would say is that Dubai has a lot of aspects, in particular Dubai, um, which, is, which are attractive. Um, we've talked about tax. That's one aspect, but also the other uh, lifestyle factors, um, the central location, which makes it easy for easier for a number of these individuals to trade east, Eastern and Western markets in, in the same day, uh, which is important. Uh, and also another factor is um, ease of doing business and ease of traveling in and out of the jurisdiction. So um, Dubai in particular is very well connected internationally. Um, as in in terms of logistics, flying in and out. Um, it has, through its airline um, Emirates, um, more direct connections um, to around the world than probably any other airline, uh, and Dubai's the hub for that airline. So for a lot of people who are mobile, um, they have family around the world, they come from a particular place, they have a business in another place. For them, the ease of being able to travel quickly and efficiently um, in and out of a location is really important. And um, this ties into the golden visa scheme as well, because the golden visa scheme, which is a 10-year visa, um, five or 10 years, depending on the, on the type, um, makes it easy to travel in and out without restrictions and without any minimum requirements in terms of period of stay or um, frequency of visits. It's interesting you raise that, actually, because the soft aspects of, of what makes a region attractive, uh, these things around uh, 
ability to, to get in and out. I know that people we've been speaking to this year have found particular troubles in getting to certain uh, hubs in APAC, for example, and, and that really has had a detrimental impact on their ability to attend conferences, meetings, and all those things that, although they may be less important than overall regulation, do add up to how attractive a region is and whether they are going to continue or expand in their uh, offices there. But I, I just wanted to get back to something we said before, because we've been talking about the interest by alternative investment firms relocating. But I just wanted to zero in on that and, and be maybe a bit more specific about what types of funds are we talking about here? We've seen all sorts, um, but in particular, the multi-managers, the multi-strats. Um, I think these firms who have large platforms where they um, are basically providing a platform to PMs to come in and plug into that uh, infrastructure that they've created um, have been particularly interested in Dubai and the DIFC. And we have a, a number uh, who have either set up or in the process of setting up. Um, we do have other firms as well. You know, you've mentioned other sectors or subsectors like fintechs, uh, digital assets. Uh, so firms who are looking to trade um, digital assets um, have also been looking very closely at um, at Dubai in particular. And um, so we, uh, I would say a combination of standalone hedge funds, the, the, the platforms, as well as um, the digital assets firms. And, and Munir, um, then the types of hires being made by these firms uh, looking to relocate, mm. you know, can you elaborate on, on you know, who is being most sought after and who is migrating to the region? So it's a combination. I, I think uh, Dubai has always been a hub for, uh, certainly in, in the last um, 10 to 15 years, for capital raising. So investor relations, marketing, capital raising. Uh, but what's changed more recently is, is that it has also started to become a hub for portfolio management as well. So um, senior experienced uh, portfolio managers who are managing significant books of uh, business um, have been moving to Dubai, uh, in particular from Asia, um, but also we've seen from the US and Europe as well. Uh, and for some of them, what I'm hearing is is making, um, especially also junior traders as well, analysts, uh, researchers, and all the way up the um, the hierarchy in terms of experience. But for some of the more junior ones, it's making a significant difference in terms of take home pay. Yeah, take home um, pay yeah. And you know, nowadays that can't be underestimated, especially in the US and UK. Yeah, sharp contrast to what's happening in, in this part of the world in the US, yeah. for sure. Um, and so then, if you were a hedge fund or an alternative investment fund, what are the steps then that you should know, should be aware of, should you want to set up an operation in the UAE? So I think the first thing, as would be the case anywhere you wanted to set up, would be to understand what it is exactly you want to be doing in terms of your activities. So is it just a um, marketing hub uh, or are you looking to do portfolio management as well? Um, that will obviously has an impact on the licensing uh, requirements uh, and the amount of infrastructure, capital, personnel required. Um, so obviously the more complex the business, 
the more um, controls and requirements there would be. Um, so that's the first thing. The second would then be to think about where exactly you want to be based. Uh, so in the UAE, there are a few different options. Uh, what we have seen is that the vast majority of our clients, hedge fund managers, have set up in the DIFC, which is the Dubai International Financial Center, uh, for various reasons. Uh, but there are a few different options, and, and so one thing is to look into those. Um, and then, and one of the factors would be, you know, where do your people want to be based? Uh, frankly, so if if this is a decision that has been driven by PMs, for example, or um, investor relations, you need to ask them, okay, where do you want to be based? Uh, which which part of the UAE do you want to be based? And um, that's where individual, you know, it could be various factors, including individual lifestyle uh, choices. Um, so, yeah, there are um, various things to think about. In terms of the process, uh, it's broadly similar. Um, uh, if you are setting up a regulated entity, which would be the case if you're if you're um, a hedge fund manager looking to do portfolio management or um, marketing activities, then um, there is an application process. So part of it would be setting up an entity, corporate local corporate entity, and, or a branch, and then um, part of the process is for that to apply for a license to the relevant regulator. Um, and there are various practical things you will need to think about as well. For example, you know, lots of firms are moving here, so office space is starting to become a bit of an issue. So there are certain things like that you might want to start thinking about sooner rather than later in the process. Practical things, setting up corporate bank accounts. There's various parts of the process, and a good advisor would be able to essentially help you to ensure that you're getting the timing and sequencing of the process right and it's being done in the efficient in an efficient way with certain things or certain elements of the process being run in parallel. Ema are delighted to announce the return of the annual Alternative Credit Council Global Summit on Wednesday the 4th of October. The one-day conference will focus on the most prominent themes in private credit including the ESG Integrated Disclosure Project, fund structuring, the value proposition of private credit for investors, retailization, and more. Taking place in the heart of the City of London, this will be a prime opportunity for LPs, GPs, and service providers to gather and showcase the full breadth of the asset class. To find out more about the summit and to register, visit the AMO website. Now, the big aspect of this conversation that we've not touched on fully yet, although we've referenced it a few times, is the point around regulation in the region. And and something that always comes to mind for me when we hear about these big influx of businesses to any new region is I always wonder how the infrastructure will cope. And, and by that, I also mean local regulators and authorities. So just to begin with then, are they adequately equipped to deal with this surge in interest from the funds industry, let alone everyone else? It's a very good question because um, I certainly think that with um, Dubai, uh, they have a, and when I talk about Dubai, I mean the, the DFSA, uh, which is the regulator for the DIFC, so the Dubai Financial Services Authority. Um, they have a longer track record. They've been in existence since um, 2004. And the DIFC is now the largest financial services um, centre uh, in, in the MENA region. 
so the most number of regulated firms, uh, most number of employees, um, and various factors, most, num uh, most number of service providers, um, and AUM, which is being managed from here or advised through here. Um, so they're the most experienced, and you do you do need to look at things like experience, um, resources. But you're right. I think um, the the flow has been so high recently that the regulators have also been really busy. Um, in particular, the DFSA. Uh, but they are all. I, I think they're um, they're scaling up. We would put it that way because it's not just hedge funds; it's also fintech, and it's also digital assets. So there are various uh, flows. Interestingly, if you look at the data, um, whilst some other financial centers have shrunk or, or pretty much stayed um, static during, throughout the last couple of years because of the pandemic, um, the, the DIFC in particular continued to grow significantly year on year growth, which is, which is phenomenal, really, if you think about what's been going on in the world. And that shows you how that strategy of keeping the place open, focusing on um, the strategy of vaccination and sensible sort of social distancing or mask measures, but keeping the borders open and keeping business open and running and keeping applications and the regulatory process running um, has made a massive difference. And they're reaping the, the benefit of that now, for sure. And Munir, you touched on, on digital assets and, and crypto, um, and that's certainly an area of interest. Yeah. Uh, what, what can you then tell our listeners about you know, the real frenzy of activity that's happening um, across the UAE in this area? Yeah, uh, another very interesting area and a successful strategy, I would say, in terms of um, positioning of the UAE. So in the UAE, you have um, three um, I would say main regulatory regimes that are relevant for financial services, including crypto. Um, you've got um, the DIFC, which I've already mentioned, financial free zone in Dubai. You've got the Abu Dhabi global market, uh, which is another financial free zone based in uh, Emirate of Abu Dhabi. And then you've got the onshore. Uh, when we talk about onshore, it's like misnomer, but what we mean is the UAE excluding the DIFC and the ADGM. And in, in the Emirate of Dubai, we have a new phenomenon, which is a, a startup regulator, which was um, established only in February this year, called VARA, or the Virtual Assets Regulatory Authority. So as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure if this is actually still true, it's the only financial services regulator in the world that has been created specifically for virtual assets um, regulation. So that was launched um, in Dubai. In, uh, so it's a uh, government of Dubai initiative in, um, in the Emirate of Dubai uh, to focus on virtual assets. So we've got these three different, very different regimes. Um, and um, but, but also it gives you options. Um, but one of the things I would say is that it's very important for anyone in this space, whether it's an exchange, whether it's an asset manager, a hedge fund, or, or somebody else in the value chain, to have a very solid understanding of each regulatory regime uh, before they apply. Um, because what we have seen is uh, certain firms um, making applications and then discovering later that it might not be completely 100, you know, appropriate for what they're looking to do. Um, 
So one of the things we've been doing is we've been helping our clients uh, in this space, um, which includes the large exchanges as well as um, hedge fund managers in, uh, active in the space to understand the regulatory regime, what they can and can't do, and whether it's optimal for what they're looking to do, um, depending on the nature of their business, their their customers, their clients, investors, and also the type of activity and the type of um, assets they want to be able to trade uh, with. So, um, yeah, high level. Um, and as I said, the, the, you, you need to really look at what you're doing and then you can match up which one of the regimes uh, or potentially multiple regimes would be suitable for your for your business. And I should say at this point, uh, more information on aspects of of <laughs> the regulatory landscape will be in the show notes, just to expand on these points a little bit more. If, if you'll indulge me, I just want to take a, a step back because obviously, I mean, I, Tom has, has mentioned that he was out there last week and we've heard pretty much unadulterated positivity from the growth in the region, which has been very interesting to hear. But Dubai is sort of, or, or the region as a whole, has not necessarily come about overnight. And there have been efforts to grow the region or attract big names to the area before, most notably around the time of the GFC. And, and, and there were issues that came up because of the poor timing there. So just to sort of go, zoom out a little bit and look at this in maybe a broader context, do you believe this time will be different? Um, I hope so. Uh, I do think it is different this time. Uh, as I said, the, maybe it's a perfect storm. Uh, maybe there are various elements to this that have all come together at the same time. Um, but I do think this time is very different to before. And, and you know, one of the basic points is that the, the regulators and the jurisdiction is more mature. I mean, it's, it's an emerging market. It um, is growing uh, and it develops rapidly and that includes the legal and regulatory regime as well uh, and I think that now now is the right time and I think the pandemic also exposed um, the fallacy of some of our preconceptions about um, how solid and dependable um, different jurisdictions are in this area um, so I think that's also something that Dubai and the UAE authorities have shown that they have been able to handle well uh, in a balanced manner and they've shown their competency in that regard. So I think um, uh, this time my senses is very different. I think the other factor for hedge funds which is different this time is that we're looking at not just investor relations and marketing and capital raising hubs, we're looking at uh, proper portfolio management hubs um, and that's to do with human capital uh, and um, talent uh, attraction and retention. That's where uh, those individuals not don't just look at, you know, tax. Uh, they look at everything, all aspects. That's where I think um, that things are different this time. So if we were to then have you look into a crystal ball, say, and look out the next five to ten years, Munir, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but you talked about Dubai and, and the UAE as a hub um, for alternative investment funds. What potential then could you see 
in terms of how this jurisdiction could grow when we think about representation for alternative investment funds that might migrate there to set up a business? So based purely on what, what we're seeing now in terms of numbers, numbers of applicants, number of firms that have set up and the growth trajectory of some of these firms and how they've grown over the last um, couple of years. Uh, I would say that if things continue as they have done um, at a mod, you know, e- even um, not as uh, fast as they have been over the last couple of years, um, within the next five years or so, I think um, Dubai will emerge as one of the global hubs for, for hedge funds. It will really? definitely, I mean, it already is the largest hub in the MENA region, which is a large region. Um, and if you look at um, Middle East um, and Dubai in particular, it is being used as a gateway by various industries for Africa and Central Asia as well. So if you look at that as the region, Middle East, Africa, Central Asia, um, and and you see that Dubai is the, the largest hub for um, alternative asset management already, uh, and it continues to grow, and we've got a pipeline of several hedge fund managers who are all in the process of setting up. Um, You just roll that forward uh, four or five years and you can all of a sudden start to see that it's a very significant global hub. So forgive me, but I I do have to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Is there anything that could derail this progress? Are there any headwinds, any hurdles that we should be aware of, sort of either in terms of in the region's internal development or just shifting macro trends? Um, you know, you you can't you um, can't predict everything. Obviously, we've seen that in the past. Very dangerous to try and predict global markets. But just in terms of what's going on now, um, global headwinds, uh, geopolitics in Asia, um, political process in the U.S., um, difficult times ahead economically in Europe, in the U.K. and Europe. Um, I think. Uh, the UAE is is well positioned. I mean, it's uh, obviously there is a transition uh, from um, carbon and uh, oil and gas based economies uh, to to uh, cleaner energy, but that transition is going to take time. And, and the UAE is actually well on the way um, in terms of um, solar, uh, nuclear, but in the short term to medium term, I think um, it will be. Um, generating a lot of revenues that need to be invested and where economies need to be diversified. And it's not just the UAE, we're talking about the the, the GCC region and wider region where these are developing economies that are very focused on diversification. And one of the key areas of diversification is financial services and asset management. And um, they are very focused on this. So, um, you know, obviously, I, you cannot predict, um, uh, you know, global macroeconomic trends exactly. But um, from what we see and from how markets are positioned, I, I think this is a longer term trend. Um, and what we're seeing also with the visa programs is that the governments are here and the UAE government in particular is very focused on um, creating a less. So they don't want the UAE and Dubai to be transient as it has been in the past. They want the people who are coming to stay and put roots down 
and that involves the ability to buy property, longer term uh, residence visas, which are which are renewable. So effectively long term residency um, and also uh, uh, to remain tax friendly um, and to continue to make it easy to do business. Um, and one of the final things I would say that I, I've certainly experienced this working with um, authorities here is that they are very open to um, receiving and acting on um, feedback from the market. And the DIFC and the ADGM are examples of jurisdictions that have been created from scratch uh, following discussions and soundings with the industry. So you don't get a closed door here. As, a, as an industry uh, participant, you have an open door and an open dialogue and people who are, you know, really want to learn about the business and what they need to do in order to um, make the UAE attractive as a location for, for business. Uh, so with that mindset, I, I think, um, yes, events can come along and it's important not to be complacent, but I don't think the authorities here are complacent. I think um, they want to continue on on this journey to to make um, make the jurisdiction a successful financial services hub, and the hedge fund sector is is um, is I think an, is going to be an important part of that equation. Yeah, fascinating insight. So, if if this was something that would um, pique one's interest, then uh, where could um, prospective firms or persons then find more information? on moving to the region? Is this something that could be found on the Simmons & Simmons website? So we, we have um, information on our website. Um, the regulators and the authorities have information on their websites as well. But what I, And there's lots of information out there, but I really I think the best way is just to have a chat, uh, talk through, because every, every business is different. And every one of the things I realized over the years is everyone has a kind of nuanced objectives of what they want to achieve out of um, out of a relocation or a move or a new base. So I think um, I would suggest talk um, and I'm very happy to talk to anyone who's in, in looking at this actively and then uh, provide information which is relevant. Well, Manir, this has been really fascinating, and especially as someone who didn't get the nod to go out last week, but uh, I heard nothing but positive things. And I think, as you say, we, we can't necessarily predict the global trends for the next 10 years, but there is undoubtedly a lot of interest in the region. Uh, so all that's left is uh, thank you so much for your time and joining us on the long short. We'll, of course, be keeping an eye on developments in the region, and I'm sure we will be calling on you in the future to, to hear more about this new fun hotspot. Thanks so much. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. The Long Short was brought to you by AMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative for the alternative investment industry. As always, you can get the latest episodes by subscribing to The Long Short on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Amazon Music, or by streaming episodes directly from our website, AMA.org. Thanks for listening.